Hello, and welcome back to Unsolved Cases and Suspicious Faces. Uh, I'm sorry it's been so long, but uh, it's always been long. Yeah, we say that every single time. (laughs) Why aren't you used to this by now, Dad? The worst, basically. Just kidding. Um, So how have you been? Um... My recovery is going well. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, they kicked me out of physical therapy, so I guess that's good. They said, don't come back. <laughs> Get out of here. You've used up your allotment. Is that everything? I don't <laughs> know what else everything? is going on in my life right now. <laughs> um. Huh. Well. It's I've almost been doing my good. birthday. Oh, okay. Happy birthday, Jackie. <laughs> almost. Well, I... Your birthday was a while ago. I'm going to out you, too. A while ago. <laughs> while ago. How was that? Uh, well, the day before my birthday, I sprained my ankle real bad, so... Well, that's not a good sign. Was that while then, I was down there? No, it was... Uh, we were staying at Mom and Dad's house, and uh, we were staying in... Reagan's room, so it's got that really tall bed. And I'm short as fuck, so I, like, went to get out of bed because my glasses fell, and I landed on my ankle funny. Oh, And I didn't no. think anything of it because it felt fine. And then I went to go downstairs the next morning, and I was like, uh-oh. Uh, the Ow. bedroom furniture is dangerous, man. That's how they yeah, get you. Yeah, uh, to pay the bed back, uh, Ryan and I broke it, so... Wow! <laughs> We were, it's like three in the morning and we were sleeping and then all of a sudden we just hear crash and the bed sinks and we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> that is so funny. And it's, <laughs> it was the night before my birthday as well. <laughs> so. Wow. Not yeah. even you, the bed knew. Oh my bed, God. I guess. And then uh, I spent I spent my birthday walking on a sprained ankle through the airport. So oh. we also experienced the worst uh, turbulence I had ever experienced before, to the point where this cute little girl in the seat like diagonal from me, because I was in the aisle seat, looks at her mom. Now picture it with me. She looks at her mom who's sitting across the aisle from her, big, beautiful, wide brown eyes, and she's like, "Mom, are we gonna die?" Oh no! And I'm sitting there like, yes, yes, we are actually. No. Um, this all I sounds didn't say terrible. That. But I'm like trying to do my like anti-anxiety breathing, where I'm like counting and I'm breathing, and then I'd like get into the panic attack, like <laughs> breathing, and then I'm like, no, no, now is not the time. And then I'd breathe again, and it was fine. But it lasted for like ten minutes, and it was like we dropped quite a bit. Several, like, big drops during that time. And I was like, no, no, thank you. And then uh, we got to the, the airport because we were we had a connecting flight. And we had, like, a five-hour layover. And because of certain people, uh, I lost my purse <gasps> on my birthday. <laughs> on your birthday. In an airport. Oh, um, my God. We found it literally five minutes before our flight started boarding. So that was great. <laughs> and it was still like there? Nobody had moved it or anything? Uh, so we were sitting at just a table that's like a two-person table but had like three seats around it. And then like we saw people get a, get up from like a, a big booth and we were like, oh, let's go over there real quick. 
But I didn't know Ryan had tucked like my purse under our backpack. So I was like, Ryan, can you go sit there real quick and I'll just grab the backpack and stuff and meet you over there. So I didn't even know that's where my purse was. And I just grabbed the backpack to go. It'd been a couple hours because I had like the switch and that's what I was playing on. I should grab my AirPods just to get them out. And that way we can put like my purse in the backpack and stuff. And I'm like, where are the AirPods? Like those were expensive. I want those for the flight. Where'd they go? So I'm panicking, thinking I left them on our previous flight. And Ryan's just sitting there. I was like, well, I'm going to go walk down to like our other terminal and see if somebody turned them in off the flight or something. And so I'm going and I saw my phone and wallet. Like I, we had gotten food. So those were out of my purse. Mm-hmm. Thank God. So all that was in there was like my prescription sunglasses and my AirPods to things that I, I would like to keep. So I went to go walk down there and I get a call from Ryan. He's like, your whole purse is missing. And I'm like, oh, no, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, uh, but it turns out that the people that had taken the table after we got up saw it and turned it into the bar right there. So we'd ask the place we ate and the cleaning lady, like, where would a, uh, a turned in purse go? And they're like, well, you have to go downstairs outside of TSA and go to the lost and found. So at that point, we had like two hours left until our flight. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want to go back through TSA, but like, I need that stuff. And like, we walked downstairs and it hadn't been turned in. So I'm like, awesome. This is the worst birthday ever. And then we have to re-go through TSA. And then by the time we get there, like, I'm pretty disheartened because nobody has it. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to ask like the only thing left open here to see if they have it. And it was like this little crummy airport bar. So I go to ask them and they're like, well, can you describe it? And I'm like, why? Yes, yes, I can. And then they handed me my purse and I was like, thank you. (laughs) And it was there the whole time. The whole time. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. So thankfully it ended up all right. Oh, yeah. I know the guy that was at the bar drinking just kind of laughed. He's like, that's the worst feeling ever. And I'm like, yeah, you're fucking telling me, bud. (laughs) I know. I just went through it (laughs) because I'm pretty sure as he handed me my purse, like a solitary tear just went down my <laughs> cheek <laughs> and the whole time ryan feels so bad and i'm like well it's my fault like i should have it's mine i should have kept track of it he's like i know but i moved it and didn't tell you and i was like okay yeah, but ryan that doesn't, ryan, doesn't change everyone. the fact that it okay yeah nope, you know what i changed my yeah. mind fuck Thanks, you ryan, ryan. <laughs> we redid our office so he's sitting across from me so i'm trying to make eye contact but there's too many monitors in the way you know, so if I you can see our podcast. Yeah, you know, but that would be a start. So he doesn't support can, me creatively, everyone. You heard it here first. We can say whatever we want. Yeah, Ryan, you suck. And also, you're pretty good at kissing. Anyway. Ew. <laughs> anyway, back to programming wait, wait. here. Oh, I wait. do. No, I have something really funny that happened to me that I forgot I was going to tell you. All right, I'm ready. So the topic at work came up, and it was about kids falling downstairs <laughs> and about okay. how, how like, unfortunately funny it was. And it was about how parents, like, watching their kids fall down the stairs, and they thought, like, something terrible had happened to them, and then, like, jumping up and being like, I'm okay, or whatever. Yeah. And then somebody was like, well, thankfully, when my kids were small, we had a two-part staircase so they could only roll down like half the stairs and that was wonderful and they were really happy about that yeah they can only fall down a little bit 
But the point was I laughed about the kids falling down the stairs, right? Because right. <laughs> it was funny to me. It was a really funny conversation. And then I got home and I got like into my home clothes and everything. I'm walking my happy ass down the stairs. <laughs> and I like slid down the stairs on my ass. It's never happened to me before in this house at all. And it just happens to be after that conversation we had at work. I'm like, this is divine intervention. I'm like, that's this what I get for a lot karma. of my kids falling downstairs. If I've ever seen it, it's karma right there. It was in action. Somebody's watching. That's all I have to say about that. Even though we don't record very often, I just want to say thank you to everybody for sticking with us and continuing to participate. Because as you know, Jackie and I are both students. We both have jobs now. That's right. I'm a working lady. Woohoo! And uh, I'm really tired all the time. I'm so yeah. tired. No, part I have um, anxiety a lot, but one symptom of my anxiety is when I get stressed, I nap. And I've been napping every day and sleeping through the night, so you can imagine how much free time I have right now. <laughs> I would just also like to say... We appreciate that people have been uh, leaving reviews, giving us our opinion, but somebody gave us a one-star review, and I would just like to know, why didn't you leave a comment? Um, <laughs> we can't call people out. No. Uh, no, oh, no, I'm just saying, like, I have this theory that it's like a scorned lover I didn't know I had. Just somebody, just like, <laughs> stalking you is, like, ruining your That's life all he's from done. afar. All he's done is just give us he one person. ice on the stairs <laughs> <laughs> right before you walked in. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it puts ice on the stairs. Like, I'll go in to find, like, some vegetables I bought, and they're all rotten. Someone's replacing my vegetables, I think. And then he gave us a one-star review without leaving a, uh, a comment. <laughs> Maybe so, it's Ryan. Oh, my God. God damn it, Ryan. God, Ryan? If you're going to leave me a one-star review, let me know what I can do better. That's all I ask, Ryan. And, you know, it is suspicious that all the bad things happen while he's there. I know, right? I'm right? just saying. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> we saying. We cracked the code. No we one so tell mom and dad the code. <laughs> we should start a true crime podcast. <laughs> Holy shit, we should. And it's just true crimes that Ryan's committed. Oh, like today, my. I walked in and my sandwich was missing. It's either <laughs> Jesse the dog or Ryan the man, and only one <laughs> of them has thumbs. Well, uh, I do have a, a murder for you today. 
<laughs> All right. Unless you want to go first, we can do that too. Shake things oh, up I already, a little bit. I already bit. told you my my case. It was the case of the missing sandwich. Oh, wow. It's unsolved. We don't know if it was a dog or... This episode is going to be really short then. <laughs> I do have a backup, I can also tell, but I'll tell after yours. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad you came with two, just in case. I'm going to tell you the story of the murder of Carol Gregg. Ooh, the murder of Carol Gregg. Okay, I'm ready. It's 1973. I don't actually have an exact date. What? Let's see nope. the content. I do, have, I I do okay. have an exact date. I'm lying. <laughs> Which one is? <laughs> I have two different articles I have to switch through because both of them have different information about this case on it. So, okay. She was found in her home on June 17th, 1973. In Augusta, Georgia. Oh. Okay. She was 24 years old, and she was a professor at Payne College. So she was already pretty much P-A-I-N or P-A-Y-N-E? Because, you know. P-A-I-N-E. You know, that's too close to the first one, I think, for me. Uh, Come to our college. It's Payne College. And I'd be like... You know, I feel like you guys shouldn't have named that one so close to reality, honestly. I know my jokes are dumb, Jackie, but you can at least well, give me I a didn't giggle. Well, I get it. Because <laughs> it's pain. College is pain. Oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, my God. Well, I'll just see myself out. You can have you the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm dumb, okay? You know what? Well, few brain you know cells what? made it work. I'll let Jesse the dog, the sandwich stealer, maybe take over for me because <laughs> at least she's cute. Oh, no. Come back. Okay, I'm back. What's up? I'll do that thing where I, like, pretend to not want you to leave and I'll say it really quietly, oh, like, no, goodbye. No. Come Don't back. go out the front door. <laughs> Second door on the left. Don't go out that one. Please, No. You're still editing, right? <laughs> yeah, send us pictures of Jesse the dog acting as a <laughs> podcaster, though, okay? Perfect. So she was a, pain col- a professor at Payne College, and she had been strangled to death. But not only that, her body had been posed uh-huh. in kind of a suggestive manner. I hate it when they do that. I hate it. Like, it just... Not only did you murder someone, possibly sexually assault them, but then you're going to be like, I'm just going to rub it in. Well, it's like taking away their dignity, even in death, you know? Let's just round up everybody that does that, and then we all get to kneecap them together. (laughs) Perfect. I'm down with that plan. (laughs) Everyone grab your crowbars. Don't tempt me. Okay. So her body was actually found by her then boyfriend, but boyfriend's kind of in quotation marks because all accounts I've been able to find said that he's estranged. So I guess he was like a soon-to-be ex-boyfriend or they were having a lot of problems in their relationship. His name was Grady Abrams. 
Brady Abrams. Okay. All right. I'm picturing now, him. What's he look like? I don't know what he looks like. But... Are you telling me this article didn't have pictures? What? Well, it's unsolved. So you read an article that didn't have pictures. I have Jackie. a picture of the so victim. That's proud all I of need. you. <laughs> oh, like a picture book. Like it's a little children's <laughs> it's like murder. A, it's like a pop up article. Uh, and this is how Carol Gregg died. This just got like you turn the page and a knife just springs at you real quick, you know? That's awful. <laughs> Keep you on your toes, though. So there had been several instances about their relationship that had some questions being brought up. When investigators went to the scene, they found some notes at her house from Abrams that were begging her to go back to him. A few of them were pretty threatening. Ooh, never a good look. But mm -hmm. it also looked like he might have been stalking her a little bit. Like, of course I know he was. He was her he then was. boyfriend, but they were having like issues. Maybe it looks like based on what I found, that they were probably just separated, which is, you know, the time in a relationship where things are going to happen if they're going to happen. That I'm just going to throw this hot take out there real quick. If someone leaves you a message that says, get back, to, get back with me or else, nine times out of ten, I bet you they're also stalking the person. It's just a type, you know? Like, if you're the type to leave threatening messages, I think you're the type to be a stalker McStalkface. Well, I'd agree with that. Yep. You heard it here first. Stalkers, email us at UCSSpodcast. <laughs> Let us know if we're right. We promise not to turn over the evidence to the police. <laughs> Pinky promise. Pinky swear. <laughs> with Ryan's pinkies. All right. Moving yeah, on. go ahead. Confess to crimes, too, in there. It's all right. We won't tell nobody except for everyone. It's, it's okay. So, also, get this. The investigators found a window at the scene that was broken. And as they were investigating, Abrams, the boyfriend, said that he broke that window the day before so he could enter her home without mm -hmm. her being there or, or her permission so he could get his things from the house. He admitted this? That he broke the window, yeah. So he could, like, break into her house. I broke the window, but don't worry. It's just so I could enter in without her knowing I'm there. That's, that's all. That's and the only he reason. was never charged with that. Okay. All right. Not, all right. Like, with breaking in, not anything. Okay. I'm, uh... Whew, not a fan of where this story is going. I'm going to be honest. But this guy gets interviewed by, obviously, this is a cold case, right? Because it happened in 1973. That's pretty much all of the evidence that they had, or at least all the evidence that the police ever came out with. As time goes on, this Abrams guy gives interviews to different, like, newspapers, in 2012, he says he had said that he had hoped whoever killed his former girlfriend would be brought to justice. Yeah, I hope that too. And then also, I found in one article that says that he was 
keeping the case alive, which was interesting to me, especially because of how suspicious he looks with all the evidence in there. Hey, you know, maybe stalkers aren't bad people. Yes, they are. What am I saying? (laughs) In the interview, he also said that he believed everyone had forgotten about the case except for him. And that was in 2012. So now it's been a, quite a few years since then, right? Right. Several, so in fact. happened? Well, it turns out Abrams, the boyfriend, was a city councilman. Okay. Not only that, um, all of the evidence the police gathered at the crime scene was put away into an evidence storage room that flooded. That's inconvenient. And everything was lost, except for photocopies of the evidence, which resurfaced in 2010 completely by accident. Okay. Oh, we accidentally found some evidence. Right, but that evidence that resurfaced that they found included the notes Abrams had written that were vaguely threatening. But the sheriff declined to pursue the case because he didn't think the photos of the evidence would be admissible in court. I mean, that's a fair point. Like, if you're going to take someone to court, I can see wanting to be sure about it. And then in 2018, six years after his interview with the Augusta Chronicle, the newspaper where he said all that stuff, Abrams died. Oh, no. So due to this murder and the way that nothing had been solved and they hadn't really looked really hard into it, the then investigator was demoted, suspended for five days, and transferred out of the violent crimes unit. And it's not just for this case. Apparently, he had mishandled records in several other murder cases. No, really? Yeah. So he was the sheriff at the time and it was 2008. He moved out of his apartment and the next people to go in there found a firearm and a big old stack of police files. Interesting. That seems like something you don't want to leave behind, but, you know... What do I know? Not only that, one of the files the sheriff left in his apartment was an open murder investigation. And when he was, when the file was returned, somebody else was given the case and he like looked at the fingerprints again, checked it again, and was able to make an arrest on the case like Uh, immediately. So it sounds like. You know, I know nothing about what it takes to be sheriff or a cop, but it just sounds like that guy kind of didn't know what he was doing at all. Yeah. I mean, just a, just a little bit, I guess. A lot of bit, but that's okay. And that's the end of the case was, you know, nothing. That's sad. And the guy that looks the most suspicious in this case Died in 2018, so... Do you know what the letter said? Or just that they were vaguely threatening? Vaguely threatening. The only thing the police have at this point are photocopies of the original letters, which, I guess, 
aren't really admissible in court. So, so any there's fingerprints, no... any DNA, anything is just, it's just gone. <sighs> That's just so... And I think this is one of the only cases I've ever brought to this podcast that doesn't really have a chance of ever being solved. Ever. Like, they, like there's nothing. Right. There's nothing. Like there's some vaguely threatening letters, but you could argue that he was just in a bad place and he really cared about her and that, yeah, he's a little suspicious, but that doesn't mean guilt. There's nothing to tie him to the murder. There's nothing to tie anybody to the murder now. There's no photos, DNA, nothing. Oh my God, that poor woman's family, that poor woman in general. Well, it's really sad. Mine has a little bit of a neater ending. Oop. Okay. Oop, great. Okay. <laughs> I got my articles from the Augusta Press, an article called Unsolved Murder Sore in Augusta, Richmond County. A great title. Always, you know, good to have that one out there by Scott Hudson. And then the other one was by the Augusta Chronicle called 41-Year-Old Murder Case of 24-Year-Old Paying College Professor Still Unsolved by Bianca Kane Johnson. Thank you. Thank you for giving us your sources. I, I try it. hard because, you know, they go through a lot of work to gather that information. And, mm -hmm. and it's always important to set your sources. Like, I didn't go out, gather the evidence myself for this, you know. I agree. I appreciate you, Jackie. You're doing a good job. Well, I appreciate you, too. <gasps> That's the only time you've ever said that to me. You're such a bald-faced <laughs> liar. Anyway, so mine was pretty much solved, but the people responsible were, uh, well, it's kind of up in the air whether they were actually responsible. I'll just explain. So my murder is called the Pimlico Murder Mystery. And a brief note at the top, although two people went to trial for this murder, they were found not guilty. And the murder itself has some mysterious unknown elements to it. My sources, since I usually forget at the end, I'm going to give them at the top. It's Murderpedia and an article titled Adelaide Bartlett and the Pimlico Mystery by Michael Farrell in the volume 309 of the BMJ, which is a medical journal. So that'll just kind of tell you what we're getting into here. In 1875, Adelaide Blanche de la Tremoyle married Thomas Edwin Bartlett, who just went by Edwin. I guess he didn't like his first name. Uh, it, they got married in the UK. So Adelaide was 19 and Edward was 20. Edwin, excuse me, was 29. So there's a little bit of an age gap, uh, but in the 1870s, I'm pretty sure that was fairly normal. Edwin's family was made up of a bunch of successful grocers, and they were a very tight-knit family and very successful. Adelaide was uh, unsure of her... It sounded like she was unsure of her uh, mother and father's lineage as she was illegitimate and born in France, which in the 1870s was a big no-no. Being um, born in France was a big no-no? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Jackie. No, uh, being an illegitimate child. Oh, thanks for clarifying. You're welcome. Uh, big no-no. But Edwin and Adelaide still got together, fell in love. Adelaide was very self-conscious of the gaps in her education. So Edwin sent her to a boarding school for two years. And she stayed with... Her husband <laughs> sent her to a boarding school? Well, she wanted to go. Still. Yeah, and she only got to stay with him during school holidays. 
That is so weird. After that, she was sent to a finishing school in Belgium. So she what? did three, yeah, three years of school total. Uh, her education was completed in 1878. And she finally moved in with her husband in the rooms over his shop in Hearn Hill. So three years after you get married to someone is when you uh, move in with them officially. <laughs> I guess. But it was the 1870s. I don't know how they did things. And he paid for her to finish her education, which was something that she was very uh, self-conscious about. So Edwin's father moved in with them shortly after. His own wife died. And he immediately started to resent Adelaide, coming between him and his son. Which, okay. Wait. I'm sorry, but wife trumps parent any day. Right. Especially if you haven't, like, been there the whole time. As yeah. he shouldn't have been because... They're newlyweds, right? Right. So he's going to move in and then be resentful towards his son's wife because his son prefers to be with her more than him, if that makes sense. But apparently he thought that she was causing some sort of animosity between him and Edwin. Um, And then he accused her of having an affair with her brother-in-law, Frederick. So her wife's wow. her her husband's brother um this went on for so long that eventually edwin the husband made his father retract these statements in front of a solicitor which is a british lawyer as he should so he went to a lawyer and he's like you need to you need to retract these statements right now on paper with my attorney present that's how bad i would it got. be as a wife if that was happening to me i mean Absolutely. That's the very least the husband could do. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially in the 1870s when, like, your very honor and your worth as a person is reliant on whether or not you're an adulterer. Yeah, of course. But I think we both married very good people that would do that for us. (laughs) Oh, so sweet. Don't tell Ryan I said that. I can't let him know I think good of him. Um. So Adelaide did later state that the marriage between her and Edward was meant to be platonic and that her and Edwin had sex only once in order for her to become pregnant. Adelaide and Edward had a stillborn baby in 1881, and when a female nurse wanted to call in a male doctor, as Adelaide's labor was difficult, Edwin said no as he didn't want, and I quote here, another man to interfere with her. What? Yep, so... He had a female midwife, and she's like, hey, yo, we need to go call the doctor because this is not going well. And he was like, I don't want another man to see my wife's lady bits. Did he That's know there weren't happen. women doctors back then? Like, uh, Yeah, anywhere? he did, and that's why a doctor did not come. Wow. <laughs> because he didn't want, I quote, another man to interfere with her, even though she was giving birth to his child. But that's okay. In 1883, so so the daughter was stillborn, clearly. Uh, so in 1883, Edwin and Adelaide moved to East Dulwich. And in 1885, they moved to Merton Abbey near Wimbledon. In 1885, that same year they moved, they met a Wesleyan, I think that's right, Wesleyan minister named Reverend George Dyson. Um, he soon became both a good friend and a spiritual advisor to the couple. So later, 
after things go down. Adelaide and Dyson would both claim that Edwin encouraged Dyson to openly romance his wife, Adelaide, as Edwin was supposedly suffering from a myriad of illnesses, including rotting teeth and tapeworms. Um, neither of which are fatal. At least, I don't think a tapeworm can be fatal. I'll have to research that. But rotting teeth. if they get big enough. Because gotcha. eventually they'll make it so, like, they're taking all the nutrients. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they can get, like, 18 feet long. And, I mean, clearly he knew about it. So I'm assuming he's being treated. Did you know that, like, you know, anorexia is obviously a terrible, terrible disease. But right. sometimes they'll take tapeworms. Yeah, I don't know. There used to be, if I think, I'm going to look it up because I'm pretty sure in the 80s there was actually like a diet program. Let me look it up. Whether you take like a pill and it has like their A tapeworm egg, egg yeah. Something. Yeah. Tapeworm diet pills. Let's see. Oh. Oh, you can still get it. Oh. Yes, there is a tapeworm diet. No, you should not try it. You take a pill containing a tapeworm egg. Have you seen you the pictures of their little them. faces? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're really no. creepy. I hate it. Thanks, In Izzy. the 1920s, it became an ideal demand. A slender, curveless frame tapeworm diet pills popped up. It also was around in the Victorian era. But you can still get it. There's an article from somewhere trying it in 2013. And I have found it. Like, I can buy it. Tapeworm one ounce two pack. Yay. Oh, no. This is a treatment for tapeworm. Hold on. Lose weight in this one easy trick. <laughs> Guinea again and parasite blast combo pack. From wish.com. I think I'd rather just take the <laughs> cocaine, honestly. I, honestly, yeah. At that point, I think at least I'm there's some taking... positive side effects. <laughs> hey, at least I won't be tired anymore. Dad, I'm just kidding. Yeah. For the record, <laughs> for any legal professionals listening to this, I am not serious. Don't worry. <laughs> and oh, I'm also God. not going to take a tapeworm. <laughs> Go ahead and buy your tapeworm from wish.com, everyone. You should just buy a full-grown one. Save some steps. Slurp it down like a noodle. (laughs) Slurp it down like spaghetti. (laughs) Jackie, no. (laughs) Anyway, what were you saying? I can't finish. I'm going to throw up. Ugh. Anyway. So that's what Edwin was suffering with. I had uh, jury still out on whether he did them as a get skinny quick scam or not. Um... So, Edwin, in the same year as meeting Dyson, made him an executor of his will and left his entire estate to Adelaide with the condition that she never remarry. But this was a That's common stipulation. What? This was a common stipulation during this time, though. Like, that was a common thing of, yeah, I'll leave you my house, but don't you dare look at another man. If that was a part of the will, I'd be like, here's your house keys, bud. I don't need them. But, I mean, in this time, once you've been married... You like your worth as a person was over. Unfortunately, I mean, like if you were a young widow, they got married again all the time. That's true. That's true. 
Especially if you didn't have any 19. kids. Yeah, she would have been 29 at this point, though, in the 1870s. So she's pretty much, you know. Middle age at that point. Middle age, yeah. Yeah, she's almost, she hasn't had any children yet, so. Um, so four months before Edwin, spoiler alert, dies, um, he changed that condition in his will. So he said Adelaide could just have everything, didn't matter if she were married or not. Yeah. Probably because um, she fought him in his weakened state. Yeah, she's like, hey, hey, just, just sign this napkin for me real quick. Don't I worry was about looking it. at your will, and uh, I have several questions. What do you mean never remarry? Um, is that like a hard never, or, <laughs> you know, is that flexible? Remember that time when you didn't call a doctor in my, like, 20-hour labor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you need to change that, bitch. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so towards the end of 1885, Adelaide asked Dyson to pick up some chloroform that was prescribed to Edmund by his doctor, Alfred Leach. Dr. Leach said he prescribed chloroform reluctantly at the insistence of Edwin himself. An important side note here. Okay, this is really important. God, put our thinking caps on and remember this. During this time period, you had to sign a pharmacist's record book if you ordered a large quantity of any medically poisonous liquid, such as the chloroform. Knowing that information, it looks very suspicious that when Dyson went to get the chloroform for Edwin, rather than buying a large bottle, he went and purchased one small bottle from four different places. Edwin did? Not Edwin. Uh, I'm sorry, Dyson. Oh, okay. So... George Dyson, the couple's spiritual advisor who's romancing Adelaide, supposedly with Edwin's permission, instead of getting one large bottle of chloroform, knowing he would have to sign a register, he went to four different pharmacies and bought a small bottle that he didn't have to sign for. Okay, that is suspicious, but there's a lot of things that, like, holistically people do nowadays that also don't make a lot of sense. So I would say the jury's not quite out on that alone. Okay. But the thing is, is he could have gotten the chloroform from one place if he signed a register. Like, they would have given the same amount to him. But instead of getting that large amount, he went to four different places and got four different things of chloroform. Yeah. I'd say that looks a little suspicious. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but after the fact, he did admit it looked suspicious. And everyone was looking at him cross-eyed like, yeah, dummy. Uh, so on December 31st, 1885, Edwin returned home from the dentist and went to sleep. Around four in the morning, Adelaide asked the maid to go get Dr. Leach because she thought that Edwin was dead. Adelaide then went and woke up the landlady because at that time they were living in like the upstairs apartment of a house. So she went downstairs to wake up their landlady to inform her that Edmund was dead. Seems a little weird to me to do that before calling the doctor or before the doctor gets there. But I didn't live in this time period, so I don't know. Um, originally, Edwin was believed to have commit committed suicide. But Edwin's father encouraged authorities to look into Adelaide more because he hated her. So this is what happened to Edwin. He died from chloroform poisoning as he had a huge amount in his stomach. 
Um, but the mystery here is that chloroform is an extremely corrosive poison. So that means if you swallow it, you'll get burns on your mouth, tongue, lips, throat, esophagus, all the way to your stomach. You'll get burns and corrosion. There were no burns or traces of the poison at all in his mouth or throat, but a large amount in his stomach. The only way that they could predict that it would happen forensically is if he just like gulped it down quickly. That's the only thing the coroner could say, because if he was coerced into taking it, it would have sat long enough that there would be burns because it happens fairly quickly. So he, if he would have been coerced into taking it or drinking it, there would have been burns in his mouth and throat. So they couldn't figure out how Adelaide had done this is the problem. They didn't know because even if he would have gulped it down quickly, there still would have been traces on his mouth from drinking it in his mouth. So, but there was nothing. So they can't tell how it ended up in his stomach. So the inquest determined that the death of Edwin was a willful murder carried out by Adelaide with Dyson being an accessory before the fact because he bought the chloroform that killed him. And they were both arrested. Um, the trial started April 12th, 1886, and it was highly sensationalized and attracted press coverage in both the UK and abroad. The charges were read for both Adelaide and Dyson, but the prosecution immediately asked for the charges against Dyson to be dropped, and he was formally acquitted. What? Yep, this enabled the prosecution to He was the to one call... that got the freaking chloroform <laughs> right. in the first place. What? But it allowed the prosecution to call on him as a witness. Um, so that's why they did it, but it also allowed the defense to take advantage of his testimony. So it was probably a bad call. Um, so the defense argued that clearly there was no way for Adelaide to force Edmund to drink poison so quickly because he would have had burns on his mouth and throat. Um, also, although the jury did think that Adelaide was responsible somehow, they said she was not guilty because they couldn't even figure out how she did it. And there is a quote saying that now that she's gotten away with it and she can't be tried again, she could at least tell us how she did it. <laughs> but yeah, that is the Pimlico murder mystery because we have no idea if he was murdered and if he was, how? Because there would definitely be some residue left behind. That is a very interesting case. Yeah. I mean, well, I definitely think she did it. We don't do a lot of medical mysteries. I think this is our first one. Yeah. Like, Murderpedia had some really good um, information on it, but it's still not, people still aren't sure how she did it. They have no idea. Because there wasn't any, like, puncture marks on him, anything like that. So the best thing that people can say is that Edwin just, Gulped down the poison and died. So we don't know. Uh, after the fact, though, both Dyson and Adelaide went their separate ways. And uh, I think both lived quiet lives. So, but yeah, that was the Pimlico murder mysteries. I guess the takeaway here is uh, tapeworm diet pills are a big no-no. Don't do it. I mean, do it if you want. We aren't no, 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 don't. Don't but do it. Though. Look at their weird little faces before you decide to take the pill. Uh, because no. I'm telling you, they're freaky. Don't do and it. Do not order tapeworm diet pills off of wish.com. And also, I'm like basically a diet guru. 
Hey. At least in my head. So I really think my idea of noodles slurping the tapeworm is a good no, one. No, please. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, I'm going to throw up. Anyway, look, uh, do look, you take away from your murder? months waiting no. for it to grow no. and you can just... Stop. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> anyway. You always shut uh, down my ideas, Izzy. <laughs> yeah, because they're Give bad the ideas. what they want. No, they don't want it. That's the thing. <laughs> Okay, so the takeaways from this murder, don't take tapeworm diet pills. And also, don't send threatening stalking letters to your ex. And if someone breaks a window to sneak into someone else's house without them knowing and admits to it, maybe charge them for that. Uh, that's at least breaking and entering. Like, by its very <laughs> definition, breaking a window and, and then you enter the house. So, I mean... <laughs> If you liked listening to our podcast, which honestly, it's a pretty awesome podcast, if I do say so myself, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or, hey, wherever you get your podcasts. If you or didn't like this podcast. any star review. Yeah. If you didn't and like it. And comments, please. Give us your honest review, but please let us know what we can do better. If you don't want to leave a comment or you're on a site that can't, please send us an email to ucsfpodcast at gmail.com. Just let us know what your thoughts are. Also, we'd love to get any suggestions or personal stories from you about times you were almost murdered, times you thought about murder, or any crimes you may have committed that we definitely won't tell the police about. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at UCSF Podcasts. And I think that's it. Well, I do want to say before we leave that I've definitely noticed that the quality of our episodes gets better as time goes on. So 100%. if you're a first time listener and you're listening from front, front to back, just know be gentle. It might be, <laughs> you know, a good idea. Or if you started at one and came all the way up with us, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate your support. Because but, it was rough for a while there. Yeah, we're going to just know that if this trend continues, <laughs> we're going to continue getting better and progressing as time goes on. So thank you for joining us on this wonderful true crime Wild ride. Okay, sure, true crime journey. That's what we'll call this. Great. All right, goodbye. Bye.